Yo. There's no Adrians, are there, in the group? Yo, Adrian, how you doing? See, where I'm from, Pittsburgh and Philly, that's how they talk. How you doing? How's things going, huh? So when I got here to this side of the track called the West Side, everybody's like, you're not from here, are you? I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> no, not really. How about you, huh? But, uh, hey, I went, to, um, I went to a place some of you guys might have visited. I just went there yesterday. First time, I thought I'd try. It's called Popeye Chicken. Anybody here Popeye Chicken? I don't know if I like Popeye chicken, to be honest with you. But anyways, I tried it. And, and I'm standing there in line. As I'm standing there in line, um, all of a sudden, they, there's a woman in front of me. She must have ordered for everybody in the county. Okay? How many know what I'm talking about? Like, you go to order, and this woman, she's ordering, like, I'll take 17 orders of the 27 pieces. I'll take all the French fries that you have. Listen, give me 17 milkshakes to go, 17 of this, 17 of that. And I'm standing by a buddy. We're both like this. We're going to be all night, man. And all of a sudden, as I'm standing there, I never got to my order yet. There's a woman in front of me. There's myself, and there's a gentleman that just came in. And all of a sudden, somebody comes out from the back. Of course, they're running really slow because there's a lot of people that are not working today. You understand what I'm saying? A lot of people not working. And so somebody's calling me right in the middle of my conversation. It's one of those potential spam ones. You know what I'm saying? I want to answer and go, how are you? They hang up. And so I'm standing there by this guy, and, and all of a sudden, somebody comes out from the back, and they go across, and they lock the doors. I'm like, oh, snap. There's people in the line, you know what I'm saying? They, what happened was they have a shortage of workers, so the line on the outside, the drive through is so much, and we're in the inside, they can't handle anymore. So they were told, they were called, and told, lock the doors. So I said to the guy, like, we here all night? It's like 2 in the afternoon, I'm like, is there like a jailbreak? Can we crash out of here or something? Can we? And, and what the thing was, was, what I learned was in that moment was, if I don't absorb the time that I have in this moment, then I'm going to blow the opportunity I have standing here. Now, I want to say something to you. Tiffany tonight stopped traffic right in the middle of worship and asked you to find a place of drawing close to God. Did she not? And I realized in that moment yesterday that time is passing too quick to miss the opportunities that God's putting before us. So I'm sitting here talking to this guy, and he owns a company. And we're talking about the work today. We're talking about COVID and how nobody wants to go back to work because you get more unemployment than you are at the work. So why would you go back? Thanks, Whitmer. Anyways, you love her. That's okay. You, you can keep on loving her. It's good. Pray for her. And so here's what it is. But everybody's in this mode of collecting more unemployment than they are working. Because I've got a friend that has a, is a pastor, and he has a son, and the son makes so much a month, but he's making over like $2,700 a month in unemployment versus like $1,400 working at a job. So why would he go back? So I'm standing to this guy, and he's telling me about employment. He's telling me about this and that. And all of a sudden, he goes, what do you do? And I'm like, well, I'm an observer. And I observe people. I observe time. And I'm kind of observing the fact I'm not coming back here for a while. Because I just got locked in to Popeye Chicken the first time ever. I mean, it couldn't be Chick-fil-A. That would have been all right. I would have stayed there for a week. I'm just saying. I, you sit on your side of the track, I'll sit on mine, okay? If it's Manelli's and pasta, I'm there all night long. I'll help you lock the doors. But the problem is we're running out of time. We're running out of time. I didn't know. I didn't know that last Monday, the 8th, I did not know that I would be celebrating 35 years ago, my wedding day. I didn't know that was going to happen. See, when I got married in 19 <laughs> and anything, and, um, and I stalked her for, I mean, I dated her for a while before we, she finally said yes. But the thing was, was I didn't know that I'd be standing in this kitchen celebrating my wife, celebrating time of 35 years of marriage. Where did the time go? Can I say this to you without offending you? Because some of you are going to get offended, so you might as well write it down. I'm going to be offended right now. <laughs> you are the generation that could care less about time right now. And I'm going to say this to your face, you're wasting time. Oh, come on. You remember when you were in junior high and senior high, and you were like, I can't wait to go to college. I can't wait to get there. I can't wait to get a job. Some of you were like, I can't wait. I can't wait to get a, can't wait to get a, can't wait to get a job. And you were 20 still in puberty. I'm just telling you it happens. 
But some of you are like, you try to push time, and you try to push time, and before you know it, time has already passed you, and I'm going to ask you the question, what have you done with the time that you lost? Because somebody has locked the door, and they've given you a moment, and you've ignored the moment. This isn't even my sermon. Thank you, Tiffany, for throwing me off. But I just thought, God, if I don't take this moment and talk about time, let me tell you something. Some of you complain about time. I don't have time enough. I don't do this because you didn't study hard enough. You didn't take time to even tell your mom and dad how much you love them, and now they're gone. See, you think 2020 was just like, oh, my gosh. 2020 was a horrible year. Horrible. But what God did in 2020, man does not see. See? And we lost a lot of good people. I lost a neighbor of mine, two neighbors of mine in their 70s. Oh, my gosh. They were my favorite neighbors. I've been here 21 years. They were my favorite neighbors. Man, they helped me do things that nobody else would, and I would do it on purpose. I would say, Jerry, would you come over and help me turn and turn off my sprinkler system every year? Randy, you know how to do it. No, Jerry, show me, man. I keep forgetting because I wanted to spend time. And now he's gone. And doggone if I had to remember how to shut it off this year. So mad at Jerry. But he's in the kingdom. I'm going to have you turn to scripture, Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2, 2 through 4. It's very simple scripture. They might throw it up on the screen. I sent stuff. We'll see what happens. But I want you to say this with me. I am. I am. I am. Relevant. I want you to say it again. I am. Relevant. I want you to say it one more time. I am. Relevant. You didn't say it one time. Dude, why are you calling me out? This is my home church. I'm calling you out. What's wrong with you? <laughs> See, here's what the problem is. The problem is nobody feels like they're relevant today because here's the problem. Because everybody has poop. Everybody has poop. Don't tell me you don't know what poop is. Some of you have little brothers and sisters. You see it all the time. Parents with newbies, poop. You have dogs, poop. How many know what I'm talking about? We have poop, but the problem is that sometimes we feel like that. We feel like we're under somebody's feet. And somebody said that about tonight. Uh, we feel like we're under somebody's feet. We feel like we're not good enough for the kingdom. And I'm going to tell you something. I want to show you a story about a man that had an epiphany with God. And he felt just like you feel. And somebody's got to leave this place knowing that you are relevant for this culture at this time right now. You are created for such a time as this. We've been saying that stinking forever. If somebody start believing it, we'd start winning this whole nation to Jesus Christ. And I'm just telling you, I want to show you this. Because where this guy is writing this passage of Scripture is not a good place. Colossians chapter 2, it says, That their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, and attaining to all riches of full assurance of understanding, and to the knowledge of the mystery of God, both the Father and of Christ. Verse 3, In whom are, all, are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge, now this I say, lest anyone should deceive you with persuasive words. This is Paul writing this scripture. This is Paul. And you know where Paul's writing this scripture from? Prison. Now a couple years ago, I had an opportunity to go to Rome. Oh my gosh. I went to my homeland. Both my set of my grandparents, my, my wife's grandparents, they came from Italy. We're, we're third generation. And I had a chance to go to Italy. So I go to Rome, Italy. Rome's the, the city of love. There's a lot of it going on there. I'm just telling you, it's crazy. Like right in the streets. Nobody cares. <laughs> little tiny cars, too. Little tiny, like, like smart cars. Whoever created that name for a smart car was really dumb. Because it's a dumb car. Because you might get 7,000 miles to a gallon, but you get hit one time, you'll find Jesus. How many know what I'm talking about? It just backing into somebody, it's like, they're going to die. Because they're in a smart car. Somebody's dumb people, man. So I'm in Rome, Italy, and they take me to the inner city of Rome. And they take me to where the prison was. 
And they take me, right now it's glorified. It's like these stairwells and it goes down and there's this, there was this hole that was created and they would just throw the prisoners down. And it, when they threw them, they were in underneath, underground. It was underground. And it was where all the, the, the poop and the feces and, and urine came through. Let me just tell you, I'm giving you the skinny. This is God's honest truth. This is where all the waste, all the waste of the city came through the prisons. They didn't care about people. Rat infested, they're all over the place, different varmints. And, and there's a little tiny, there's little ledges on each side. On each side, a little side there, but you can see a nice little chasm about th- three and a half to four feet wide with this stream of all this junk coming through. And Paul has a little shelf here with a little candle. And I don't know how he got the paper. I don't know how he got the pen. But he started to pen this scripture from prison. He doesn't write, oh, God, that you would strike those people. God, I pray God, because Paul was radical. Paul was radical. It says this, now this I say, lest any should be deceived with persuasive words. How many know that somebody can talk you into doing something stupid? Come on, how many can admit it? See, the ones with their hands aren't up are the ones talking you into it. I remember as a kid, I used to be talked into a lot of things, man, like, like fights, like different stuff that was just out of nowhere. Like that guy looking at you, I'm saying, Jimmy, the guy's cockeyed. He's not looking at me. He's looking over there, and he's looking over there. No, he's staring at you. And when I look at the kid, he'd be like this. Yeah, what? And I'd be like, oh, my gosh, he is looking at me. And then we'd get after school, we'd get in a fight. But there was always that Larry. How many know what I'm talking about? Larry, persuasive words. He doesn't like you. He says, you're a little tiny wimp Christian. He's making fun of you. I'm like, the dude can't even talk. I don't even talk to the guy. Who is his name? He goes, his name's Jimmy. And I look at Jimmy, he's like, yes, what, 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 what? I'm like, oh, now you want to go. How many know what I'm talking about? See, I'm giving you guys a skinny so you can follow what I'm saying. But unless you understand what persuasive word, it means good at persuading someone to do or believe something through reasoning or the use of temptation. Persuasive words. Hmm. Like, you know what? You're not relevant. You're not good enough. You'll never make it. What are you doing being a Christian? Oh, you Christian people just make me sick. I'm sick of Christians too. Everybody's a Christian today. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? But yet you're drinking it, smoking it, choking it, and toting it, and everything else, man. Come on now. How many are following me? But they're a Christian. You know what the word Christian means to be Christ-like? It means to turn from what you used to do to no longer do it. That's why I'm sick of AA. People sit in AA. Hi, my name's Randy. <laughs> good to meet you. Hey, Randy, how you doing, Randy? I say, hey, man, I'm doing good. I'm a recovering alcoholic. But by the grace of God, I found Jesus. I mean, know what I'm talking about. I ain't making fun, but I'm making fun because it's stupid. It's dumb. And some of you might have gone there. You might be like, I didn't think it was so stupid. Help me. That's what I wanted to do is help you. But if you say I'm a recovering alcoholic, why do you keep saying that? Why can't you just say I'm no longer? I will never t- touch it again. I'm not a recovering alcoholic. I'm a born, bought, blood Christian of the man named God. Jesus Christ bloodshed for me. I no longer want that substance. I'm here to tell all of you that Jesus is the only way. When does that happen? Or do we keep going back to all of our poop and all of our stuff we keep saying? But you know what? You don't understand. Listen, friends. Say it like it is. Make it real. We're afraid today because we might offend somebody. You talk about offensive. This guy, Paul, let me just show you this a second. How many people remember this guy, Saul? He's on the road to Damascus. He's about to martyr everybody. God shows up. How many people have ever ever had an epiphany or something to happen with you and God? Like like a moment. Like it's like, oh, my gosh. It's like, oh, God. How many have ever had that? Like he show up. And you can't make that up. You can't make it up because it's for real, right? And so Paul saw, this guy saw he's going. He's about to crucify all, those, all the Christians. He's martyring for Christians. He hates Christians. He hates them. He doesn't want anything to do with them. He's about to take them all out. And then God shows up. And in the middle of the, lake, the beam, he and, God, he and Jesus, God Almighty, are having this conversation. Now listen, those people saw the light, but they didn't hear what was happening. They saw the light. They were like, what? What is that? But they couldn't hear the conversation. And God started to transform Saul into the man named Paul. And he ends up 
in Damascus. How many people know what I'm talking about? And he's met there, and all the people of the, all the, people of the church, all the people of this place in Damascus, are like, what is wrong with you? Ananias, man, you know what you're doing? You're bringing this guy into the place. What's he doing? Dude, this guy's going to kill us. Now, wait a minute. The Bible says that he became blind. So he could not see for three days, but he could hear. And it sounds an awful lot like the church. We have a non-believer, somebody showing up. Somebody, you're like this. I don't even know why you brought people tonight because we have this. Man, are these, they came to church, and I can't believe they got saved. Well, why'd you bring them? <laughs> See, I'm doing what you can't do all the time. I'm doing a little beating up. I'm just telling you straight up. Straight up, why do we do this? Why do we bring people to church? Or why do we even come not expecting something to transform us? Come on, he's, the transformer's here, man. And he's not changing from a Volkswagen to a whatever. He's not Bumblebee. No, he's the man. And he's here tonight to transform you. Of all of your ideology, all your believing, and all of a sudden Paul could hear. And what Paul heard from even Christians, the cursing, the spitting on him, how dare you? How could you bring him? It started to scar his heart. And he's like, God, why did you call me in this? Why? You don't think he had an argument with God in this moment? You don't think he's asking and pleading with God? Please, God, don't call me to this. But in the third day, shackles are removed, and he's like, let's go. And he moved. And then as he so moved, he came to this place where he started as a Roman, as a Roman preaching the gospel, he started to get crucified over this word. And so he starts to pen. He starts to say the first, number one is this. Number one, he says this. Say this with me. I am relevant. Well, now you're getting a little bit better. Number one, he's encouraging. The word encourages is Life should be about this. In our culture today, it's more about trying to get ahead. It's all about self. But Christ is looking for the building up of the body of Christ. God is looking for someone to encourage. And I'm not talking about encourage to get to know somebody, to get something from them. I'm talking about giving something away of you that you don't expect back. It's giving of yourself. Do you remember in the Bible one of the disciples' names, Andrew? Okay, who was Andrew's brother? Very simple. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. What'd you say? Peter. So Andrew's brother is Peter. That's all right. You were, you were naming them all. You were going all the way down the line. Man, there's Barnabas, there's John, there's John the Lesser, John the Greater. Give me all, brother. That's what I'm talking about. That's why you're doing announcements. And so what happens is, but that's... Because you're working, working on up to the east side. And so, uh, <laughs> so anyways, this Peter, this Andrew hears about Jesus. Now, Andrew was very unselfish because Andrew could have ran and said, oh, Christ, look at me, look at me, look at me. Like people do in the church, people do in our groups. People want to be seen, right? Look, 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 look. But he says this. He goes, man, I know where he's at. And he runs and he gets his brother and he says, Peter, come on. Come on, Peter. Come on. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. And he goes like this. And he steps back. Because it's not about him. But you know what's really cool? Jesus saw him. Mm. Then the invitation's on. He sees you when you put others in front of you. Not to be a martyr like, I'm just doing what God wants me to do. Don't do that. Don't, don't play that little game like, you know, I'm just doing this because it's, it's checking off my bucket list. Putting somebody else before me. Well, that selfish spirit's going to come back around because it had nothing to do with putting somebody else. It's like show them so they can see me. I hope you all hear me back here while you're eating your McDonald's or whatever you're sucking on. It's really cool back there. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 4, verse 12. Now, I'm just giving them fun because they're clear back there. It's probably the worship team. Look at them. Ephesians. <laughs> Look at him like, man, I hate you right now, brother. That's all right, you're coming up soon. Look at him. Look, he's like, oh, snap. <laughs> Are you having fun? Can we have fun in church? I, I, I just say it. Something happened to me this year, man, where I used to preach like so much hell and brimstone, and I just want to preach with passion. I love you so much. Like, you are the generation. See, time's moving so fast. Your brothers and sisters that are under you, the Gen Z generation, they're looking for hope. And the last time I looked with a woke culture, I kind of like the name. 
I like being woke. You're like, dude, you're so irrelevant. You're not even close to, I like being woke. You know why? Because I woke up this morning with Jesus on my mind. I woke up today and said, I caused hell to shake. I woke up with an attitude of gratitude. I woke up, couldn't wait to get here, man. I woke up with problems today, even on my phones. My phones weren't working. I bought brand new i13s. I thought I'd impress my wife. I said, we're going big, woman. You're working at the hospital. You're making good money. Buy a phone. (laughs) We got them all fired up. They have this new system. You put one next to the other one. It's all done. Everything's transferred. Shut the old one off. Sell it. Throw it away. Give it away. Cause an accident. I don't care. And then all of a sudden, man, I'm trying to text Pastor Jake, and I'm trying to text him, and it's like no service, not in order, not even activated. I'm like, what? And I have a problem with activation. The lady calls me and says, it's going to be about 45 minutes to an hour. Right? See, I see you all talking like, how many have had that problem? And you know what? You're like, man, something's wrong with the system. We had some snow. Maybe a tower went down. No? People just lazy, and they don't want to push a button. But I woke up to affect this culture. I don't want to be culture. I don't care to be in culture. But I'm going to walk through culture and touch anybody I can for the kingdom of God. And if we don't have that aspiration, you have no idea what Paul's saying. And what he's saying is encouragement. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 12, For the perfecting of the saints unto the work of ministers, unto the building up of the body of Christ. Why do you have 242? Right, 242, is to build up the body of Christ. To be able to do something outside of this place, to be feet and hands for Jesus. Come on, somebody. See, their hearts are encouraging it together. So what does this mean? Here's what it was. Paul's desire was to fight spiritually for fellow believers. Now he's transformed. Somebody said, there's no hope for me. Oh, no, no, you don't know Paul. No, God, I've been too far. I've done too much. Listen, I pray every week that God will forgive me for pornography, forgive me for idle words, forgive me for gossip, and every week I'm at the altar. It'll never work. Oh, ye of little faith. And stop the habitual sinning. Make it plain. Make a plan. Man, come on, transformation is in a place called an altar, and it can be in your bedroom at night. Man, before you lay your head down, you go to bed, talk to God. Like, you, like he doesn't see you? Hey, God, uh, it, it, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's Randy. I know. Ooh. <laughs> uh, God, you know, I made some mistakes today. I got caught looking and lusting a little bit. I know. Ooh. Got a little louder there, God. See, we don't do this because we think that God's going to hold us in contempt. God's going to hold us accountable. Like God's going to punish us. When the, father, the Bible says he's the father of love. He loves you more than you ever know. The problem is you don't even love yourself. And when you don't love yourself, you can't love others. When you don't love others, you're not doing the kingdom work. See, because it's about a selfish thing. Here's a man in prison, and he's writing these things. I'm thinking, how is he writing this in prison, man? So my question to you, and I'll probably say it a couple of times tonight, what prison are you writing from? Come on, brother, you know that was good. What prison are you writing from? Deceit, rejection, depression, mental illness? What seat of prison are you writing from? Because everybody's held hostage in some type of prison. Come on, somebody. Mine for a long time was I can't preach. I don't want to preach. I want to be a phys ed teacher. I can hide there. I was All-American in wrestling, All-American in soccer, played semi-pro. I could go all over the place for soccer, baby. That was my game. I could go into phys ed class, break somebody's arm. Oh, my gosh. I'm sorry, Bobby. <laughs> Bobby, Bobby, what's wrong with you, man? But you're the one who threw it. I know I threw it. I'm the teacher. Let me alone. Bobby, you okay, Bobby? That, that, oh, that arm should not go like that, son. <laughs> Come on, guys. We're going to gather around. I think we can do this. Would you say you want to pray? Oh, okay, because you have to activate student. Okay, student activate. Thank God. We lay hands on Bobby. Bobby's like, oh, man, that feels better. That's what I thought it was. Being in a wrestling class, man, get him in a chicken wing. Like, oh, snap. <laughs> Coach, is my arm supposed to be? No. No, that's not supposed to happen. 
So let me pray for you, son. Because that's what God called me to. That's the platform that I'm on. Let me pray for you, son. Oh, Father, take this arm. Oh, God. Help me to rearrange it, Lord, so that he'll find you in the name of Jesus. That's what I thought. How many of you tracking with me? The thing was is you cannot run from God. Man, I ran nine years, man, until I met Lori, and then it was all over. Let me tell you something, guys. You can run all you want, but when you meet that woman, woo! She'll change everything. She said to me one day, we were dating about a year, and I was like, girl, listen, man, it's getting close. I want to get engaged. And she says, I can't. I can't marry you. I can't get engaged to you. Because, listen, man, I was studying nursing. I came on this campus because God told me to come a year. And I said, I know. He brought you here to meet me, girl. What's wrong with you? She goes, I know. I know that now. I know that now because you're persistent. You're crazy. You never lighten up. <laughs> you always talk. And I'm like, what, girl? What, 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 what? Didn't give her a word in his wife, man. I'm like, you're beautiful. She said, I don't know, you're beautiful. I know, I think, I know, girl. I was like, oh, it's terrible. She said, I would marry you, but God called me to marry a preacher. I said, excuse me? <laughs> Say what? Say what, what? He called Lori. <laughs> the Bible says in John 13, 5. She's like, what you doing? I said, he called me to preach. See, I got to lighten you up because you all came in like this. <laughs> Woo, man. See, we're about to get busy at an altar, but you got to be the one to answer it, not me. And my everything changed. My life changed. My voice changed. My perspective changed. My walk changed. I made so many mistakes when I was young youth pastor. I'm still making them. You're like, man, you're a mess today. I know I'm a mess. But I love Jesus. See, I was there when my father walked out, man, eight years old. I remember, like, Paul, that was my prison. My prison was there was no dad in my life. And so I started blaming other things. Instead of taking the responsibility with no dad, I grew up and I just finally followed my mother instead of my father. My dad was an alcoholic. My dad was a smoker and a crazy man. How many had crazy fathers? You got crazy. You know what I'm talking about. Not in Grand Rapids, though. All your dads are spectacular. I understand it. Because you're on the west side. Everybody Dutch on this side has everything together. I'm just saying. It caused no trouble now. I'm just saying. But on my side of the track in Pittsburgh, man, where there's no dad, and you grew up in the neighborhood of Italian and Jewish people, and you're going to synagogues playing basketball, you're trying to figure out God. When you have this side says, you know, there's a God, but there is no Jesus. Forget the Messiah. You're talking about Pharisees and Sadducees. How do, how do these religious people miss the very Christ in front of them? But see, some of you are sitting here. You got a religious spirit. You go to church on Sundays, Thursday nights, bar on Friday. Mm, man, you touched that one right here. Dance places, do different things. Thank you, Jesus. Then we go home because we're barely making it. We can't remember what happened the next day, but we call ourselves Christians. Religious spirit. Come on, man, I'm preaching what you can't. But I know you can. I'm just talking about where you at. Like how long do we fake this where God doesn't see it? How long do we keep saying we love Jesus? Listen, I got news for you. Jesus loves you. You love Jesus. <laughs> That's awesome. But are you in love with Jesus? See, because I found out when I'm in love, I celebrate my 35th. It wasn't about me. It was all about my woman. See, anniversaries aren't about guys. They're all about the women. If you don't get that one straight, you nuts. Like, you'll never have fun, you know, <laughs> there. Without getting downright, I'm telling you. It's all about the women. When you celebrate women, you have a good life, man. Why? Because she will want to serve, love, and take care of you. Uh-huh. I'm just telling you, man. God has a purpose and a plan for every one of you like he did Paul. But he had to mess Paul up a little bit, blind Paul, so he could hear, he could hear how much people hated him. And listen to me, I've heard how many people hate me. And you know what? It drives me. I kind of like it. Because that means I'm doing something right. After I got done with this gentleman inside, he said, you know that, brother? I know what you are. I said, what? He goes, you're a preacher, dude. I said, I didn't say that. He goes, you don't have to say it. 
it's coming out of you, man. And he said, I'm a believer too, man, so I know. Paul's desire was to fight spiritually for the fellow believers. I'm almost done with this. You guys just take it easy. It's only 8.06. You get out at 9.30. I understand it. But Paul writes this letter to strengthen their faith against particular false teachings. There was a lot of false teachings, and that's what's happened in our culture today. I mean, come on now. I'm telling you, I don't care what political side you come from. I'm telling you, it's false teachings. We're a mess right now in our culture. No wonder people are locking, locking, knocking each other and going at it. No wonder. No wonder, because nobody knows what to say. So instead of the church standing up saying, we don't believe this, we don't believe that, we don't believe this, we don't believe that, they're just like, come on in. Let's have a harvest fest of love, because that's who Jesus is. You know what Jesus also said was, you know what, get out of my house. What? See, let me tell you something. Anger's not wrong. The Bible says Jesus got angry, but it's what you do with anger. Frustration's the one that really holds you hostage. See, guys, we can wrestle. We can beat the tar out of each other. We're going for pizza in 20 minutes. Women, you all crazy. <laughs> Listen to me. You're like, you don't know what you're talking about. I have three sisters. I have sister-in-laws. I know what cat fights are like. And I know what unforgiveness is. Oh, girl, I'm sorry for everything. About three years, five years later, 20 years later, it's like, you know, I'll never forgive you for wearing that prom dress that I bought too. You wore that prom dress. Girl, you look better than I did, but I'm still not forgiving you for that. It's straight up true. Paul was not only writing for pre, uh, this prison, but he took the opportunity of the platform that he had. And he took the time with God. Took the time with God. The Bible says this. The Bible says in 1 Timothy chapter 1. 1 Timothy chapter 1. Thank, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has strengthened me because he considered me faithful. Watch this. Putting me into service. Verse 13. Even though I was formerly a blasphemer, and a persecutor, a violent aggressor. Oh my gosh! The Bible. Some of us say that he was the chief of all. He was a chief, uh, chief of all sinners. Yet I was shown mercy, because I acted arrogantly to, in unbelief, and the grace of the Lord was more than abundant, with the faith of God, which are found in Christ Jesus. It is a trustworthy statement, deserving full acceptance, that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners, among whom I am fourth most of all. He's saying, I'm the worst of all. Yet for this reason, I found mercy. Come on, somebody. Mercy came running. I found mercy. So that in, in me, as the foremost, Jesus Christ might demonstrate his, his perfect. Look at the H in His. It's capitalized because it's only Christ's faith. Christ's perfect patience. As an example, for those who would believe in Him for eternal life. Now to the King eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. And amen. This was the chief of all sinners. This is a man that persecuted those. Number two, it's not, it's not just um, wisdom, it's knowledge. It's knowledge. Corinthians chapter 1 verse 10 says this. So as to walk in a manner, manner worthy of the Lord, fully blessing to him, pleasing to him, excuse me, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasingly in the knowledge of God. There's another one, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse uh, 2 through 4. It says this, who desires all people to be saved, to come to the knowledge of truth. How many of you are tired of getting lied to? How many people have ever been lied to? Seriously, the only person that probably never lied to you is your mom. I didn't say your dad wouldn't because my, my dad lied all the time. I, and you have faithful fathers. Maybe a father never lied to you. Father, never lie to you. That's fine. Parents will never lie to you. That's fine. But when they're not there, who do you depend on? The Word of God transforms. For, 2 Peter chapter 3.18, and I'm going to get going here because I know we want to get to an altar place. In fact, would you come? I don't know if Tiffany and who's coming, please. But grow in grace, 2 Peter 3.18, and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. Amen. Number three is this. Number three is this. So remember, remember, number one, where are you at, number one? Encourage. Okay? Number two is knowledge. Number three is this. Do not be deceived. How many have ever read 2 Timothy chapter 4? Let me just give you the skinny of it because we're going to look at it. 2 Timothy chapter 4 says, In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, Chapter 4, verse 1. 
2 Timothy chapter 4. In view of his appearing and his kingdom, I will give you this charge. Here's what he says we're supposed to do. Preach the word. Be prepared in season, out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage. And with great patience and careful instruction. That means quit beating each other up, man. Love each other. Talk it through. But do it. Correct, correct somebody that's out of line. They're your friends. Friends are supposed to guard friends. For the time will come. Look at verse 3. When people will not put up a sound doctrine, instead to suit their own desires, they will gather around them with a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. It sounds like culture. And the church is getting sucked into this culture. They'll turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. But you, watch this, this is, this is so awesome of Paul. But you, keep your head in all instruction, in all situation. Endure hardship, do the work of the moi, evangelist. Discard all the duties of your ministry. Discard all the duties of your ministry. Say this with me, I am relevant. I am relevant. I want you to walk out of here knowing that so much. I got two stories and I'll finish. Two stories. A couple weeks ago I did this thing called Live Free. I, I wanted to kind of show the video. Maybe we can upload it online on your line. I forgot about it. We were supposed to do that, but I do these things called Live Free. And it, what it is, it's, it's about breaking bondages and generational curses. And it's about soul ties. It's about freedom in Jesus. It's about uh, the power of the Holy Spirit, speaking in other tongues. It's, uh, it's all this whole weekend. Two full days of just cleansing, cleansing. This grandmother brings a granddaughter. And um, the grandmother calls and says, listen, I want to bring my granddaughter. Is it too late? This just happened in Brandenburg, Kentucky about uh, two and a half, three weeks ago. And they had 87-some students coming, which is a pretty good group. They're all high schoolers, okay, and junior high, junior high and high school. It's a little bit young for some of them, but it really was effective. And uh, what I'd like to do is bring it here to Grand Rapids, do a live-free conference with all of you and junior junior high schoolers and senior high schoolers, you know what I'm saying, 11th and 12th grade, and do it here. I'm telling you, you talk about bondage breaking, <whistles> baby, after this weekend, you can't walk out of here knowing that Jesus didn't do something. This young girl says, Grandma, I want to go. They're 25 to 35 minutes away from this church. She said, I heard about this. I want to go. And she's, his grandmother says, okay, no problem. I'm going to bring you. I'm going to pay for you. She said, no, but I, I want to bring friends with me. Can I bring some of my friends? So she shows up with seven friends. The grandmother paid the entire bill. The grandmother rented a, one of those a portable, like, um, camper. She never even drew a, drove a truck before. She rented a fifth-wheeler. And she pulled a camper, and she said, I got to do it. I got to keep them on the campus, because if I have to bring them back, they won't come back. So they went down to the county fair line, and they were down in the county fair area, and there was a big pit. They had a big barbecue and everything like that, and a bonfire and all this kind of stuff that night afterwards. So it's a Friday night. The girl shows up. Grandmother paid the bill. Her seven friends show up. That night we get done. Dina preaches her eyeballs out. You should hear this woman preach. I just came with a couple stories, and I threw the net out for an altar call. And every one of the girls came forward, all eight. And I don't just mean came forward, you guys. I mean came forward. Like, get out of my way, running forward. Three of them just fell at the altar. Two of them kind of didn't know what was happening. It came to the altar, just poof, it fell at the altar. Holy Spirit was so heavy. power of God was so heavy. And that night, I had the privilege to lead all eight young girls to Jesus. They all received Christ. When the grandmother picked them up, they went running out to the truck. Grandma, Grandma, you're right, Grandma. Tonight we received Christ. It's the greatest thing. All this stuff's gone on my life. I feel so free, Grandma. And we got another day of this. Other stuff's going to be broken off. And the preacher's talking about freedom. And, and the chains are broken. And my life is transformed. These are junior high girls. Who uses the word transformed? These girls, every one of them, have been molested by somebody in their family. Every one of these girls are foster home girls. And all they know is grandma bringing them to church. They went after that Friday night down to the bonfire, and they're making s'mores. Three of the girls down by the river smoking a joint. Getting hired in a kite. They just got saved, but now they're smoking a joint. Grandmother says, I didn't want to do nothing. Let them get high in the spirit, high on marijuana. They'll see Jesus. 
I said, Grandma, you're a smart cookie. They came back the next day, not like this, like we come into church like this. They came back the next day, and here's what they said. They passed me, gave me a high five. Hey, preacher man. I said, what's up, girls? How you doing? How was your night? It was okay. I'm still a little draggy a little bit because I got a little bit too high last night, and, and I'm just wearing off, but it's okay. I'm here. I'm like, oh, they were honest. I mean, who does that, right? Man, I was smoking about five joints last night, but it's okay. I'm here. I said, I'm so glad you're here. Give me, give me a hug. Gave her a hug, and I said, get in there. One girl walked by, and she says, man. Is it going to get better than last night? I said, hang on, we're going for a ride. And that Saturday morning, God broke everything off these girls. It's been three weeks, about three, two and a half, three weeks. I called the youth pastor. I said, what's happened? Grandma brings them every week. You should see these girls praise, wor- praise God and worship. They're in a small group. Two of the counselors pulled them into a small group of eight. They're working with the grandmother. They're trying to get them out of some of the foster homes. And we have three people that want to adopt two of the girls. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Don't tell me that God's not in the the resurrecting, saving business. Come on, people. But what are we waiting for? So I know it's late, and I want to get you prepared for an altar. Anybody here at a restaurant called Smoky Bones? Mm. Man, we used to have one here, right? Did it go out? They went out of business, I thought, Smoky Bones. Maybe not. I'm in Ohio. I had just got done with Grand Rapids First Assembly. Some of you might know I used to be their youth pastor for eight years. And I used to take the kids on a tour. I took my best of my worship teams and stomp and dance. And I had Beacon Light, if you've ever heard of him. He went with me. And I, I took uh, George Moss with me when he was, uh, what is it, Way FM. And all this other stuff was happening. And I got a big charter bus. And we had a bus driver that wasn't saved. And it's like, hey, how you doing? I'm Billy. Listen, I know you're a Christian group, but forget it. I'll never be saved. I'm taking you back and forth. Don't preach Jesus. It's like, no problem. Two days later, I got saved. And so it was really crazy. Second day on the tour. We did 16 days. We did 14 different events. We went from here to Ohio, Ohio to Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania to the city of New York. I let them have two days in New York free time. Came back. Went, we did outreach. We did open air. We did churches. We did inner city Times Square. We did dance, stomp. We did worship. We did all kinds of stuff. And then I'd preach. And people would get saved. It was unbelievable. We put them right back into church. We're in Ohio. We're on our way back. We're in our last gig. And, and finally the pastors, the, the church says, well, you're going to follow the pastor. I'm like, where's the pastor? The guy pulls up on his big Harley. Do-rag. Tattoos everywhere. Look like MS-13. I was like, mm, I <laughs> what is that? He gets off and goes, hey, praise the Lord, brother. Big dude, too. Praise the Lord, brother. How you doing? I was like, ah! <laughs> what are you doing? He goes, man, you're coming to my house. I ain't going to your house, Chucky. Where are you? What are you doing? <laughs> big, takes off a do-rig, big bald guy. Muscles coming out of his ear balls. And I was like, huh? And he goes, listen, I'm the pastor. Let's go eat. And I was like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Glory. <laughs> I didn't have a phone back then. We didn't have phones back then. It was like maybe 15 years ago. I'm just telling you straight up. And so all of a sudden he takes us to a place called Smoky Bones. It's about 1030. I said to my big boy Rich, Rich, get up here. Get the doors room. Tell them we're coming. There's six of us. I had, I had um, one, two, three guys with me. We had to pass there. It was five of us. I said, get up here, man. He says, uh, he comes back and he goes, they're closing at 11. We're not allowed to get in. I said, it's 1035. I said, Rich, wait a minute. Time out a second. Where's he at? How tall are you, man? I'm looking right at you, bro. I'm just, oh, my God. <laughs> hey, how tall are you, man? Yeah, I'm looking. How tall? Stand up a second. Maybe I shouldn't have done this. Oh, God. <laughs> what are you, six what? Six, six. six, six. <laughs> Grab a seat. Okay. Okay, the guy with me is about six, five, okay? But he's about 320, okay? And I said, brother, let me tell you something. I seen the girl to do it. That little hostess, she's a little four foot, huh? nothing to her. You stand over her and you say to her, we're coming in. I don't, care if it's, I don't care if it's a minute to 11, we're coming in. What you got left, we're coming. I said, I want to hear it. If I don't hear it, I'm going to mess you up. <laughs> he comes back and he says, let's go. Come on, they're bringing us. I said, oh, I knew he would. So we get in. We get into Smoky Bones. We go in. We sit at a round table. And the place is closed, man. There's nothing else happening. Nobody's here. There's three waitresses. Three waitresses. They sat us down and they said, hey, listen, what do you want to drink? We'll get you drinks. Boom, boom, boom. They do that. Three of the chefs come out from the back. They said, listen, we're not cooking anymore, but we'll give you everything that's left. And I was like, there you go. <laughs> How many people know that when you do smoke brisket and that kind of stuff, and it's, it, 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 come on, it savors a little bit. It's the end of the night. It's like, that's the best. Kind of a little crispy to it. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to make you hungry for the altar. All of a sudden, Jake, I, I, I apologize, Pastor. I know it's 820. But let me just say this. It's been a long time since I've been here. This is awesome. And I've been through the pandemic, too. So this is great. 
we sat down. The cooks come out. They sat with us and said, we're going to give you everything. Do you mind if we sit with you? I said, no, but where's the food? Oh, we'll go get it. We just want to talk a couple minutes. And they sat down and started talking. Cooks got talking. And as we're talking, the one girl, the one waitress, she falls to her knees and she starts crying. And I'm like, oh, man, snap. I said, Richie, you say something? Then I'm thinking she saw the pastor, and I'm like, mm, I'd cry too. <laughs> I'm telling you, the guy was scary, man. But the sweetest man you ever met in your life. Because when you hear the rest of the story, you understand what I'm talking about. She falls to her knees, what's wrong, sweetheart? The second waitress puts her hands over her, and they're crying. They're like, this is her last night. And I'm like, oh, man, you don't like it? Smoky Bones, what's going on? She goes, no, it's her last night. Timing, listen to me, timing is everything. I'm going to give you three things you'll never get back. Time, your word, words, and opportunity. And this was the time, this was the opportunity, and God give me the words. I said, sweetheart, what are you talking about? She says she's about to take her life. And she's going home to kill herself. We've been planning this for a long time, and I can't talk her out of it. I said, not tonight on my watch. Another waitress falls to her knees. I'm like, oh, God, what's going on here? She says, look, I want to show you something. And she always wore like a spandex top and, and the pants and everything. And they thought it was because it was cold in there, but she's a cutter, a massive cutter. She pulled her sleeves up and says, look. And the girls are like, oh, my God, so-and-so, what are you doing? She says, I just never told anybody. And I'm going through this stuff in my life. And then these guys walk in. And she's talking about killing herself, and I want to kill myself. And he starts talking about their hope in Jesus. And I'm thinking, maybe this could be the night. The third waitress says, you know what? I've been praying for the two of them that God would make somebody show up. And we showed up at 11.59, or 10.59, a minute to closing. You see God's timing? Oh, it gets better than this. We start praying. We start talking to them. They're crying like snot bubbles coming out. Everything's happening. You know when somebody's real, when stuff starts draining. I'm sorry, son. We're praying for them. We're praying for them. The cooks start bringing stuff out. Now, I did my job. I said, I asked my question. I think we could pray for you about anything. Is there anything we could pray for you about? And that's when they broke, and that's when they started, because nobody's asking the question anymore today. I just love asking the question. And so I, when I asked the question, she fell. She fell. We pray. We pray. Pastor's now talking. They're talking. I'm eating. I'm eating like a fiend. I'm eating like a banshee on something. I'm telling you. I'm stuffing it. It's in my eyes. It's on my face. I had barbecue everywhere. I'm just telling you. I'm cornbread in it, I'm baked bean in it, it don't matter you do your job, I did my job you do your announcements, let him preach you're done, go eat, you know what I'm talking about manja manja, and I'm going to town I'm crying, I'm like, oh man I'm in this cornbread bro, this, the chefs are sitting with us, hey what do you think I'm like, oh my god it's good man, oh baby's up praying. pastor give it to him, hey give me some more of that brisket, I'm just telling it was bad, it was like so bad, it was so like sacrilegious bad, it was like I lost my mind, okay don't judge me. If you saw that kind of food, you wouldn't even ask the question. You'd be like, bring it up. <laughs> I'm going to town. They're praying. We end up praying. The whole night goes. We go back to the pastor's house. Pastor, that was amazing. It was amazing. He said, did you ever wonder why I asked you to come and why you're here? He said, you won't believe this. My wife died of cancer six months ago. My daughter drowned three weeks ago in a horrible accident. My son yesterday found out he has cancer. And I asked God, God, when's the team getting here? So you could pray for me. But what you did in the restaurant was more for me than it was for them. We stayed up the rest of the night, had popcorn, watched a movie, and prayed over our pastor friend. I called him three months later. We had left. I called him three months later. Now listen to me. Get ready because this altar's coming. Three months later, I called him. Pastor, how's it going? Oh, Randy, you won't believe what happened. Remember the woman that was a cutter? Yes. She showed up to church two days later. Short sleeve. Shorts. It was in the summertime we were there. He said, I looked at her arms. It was like brand new skin. God had taken every scar, every bloody mess, and it was like pink, like new, brand new baby skin. That woman was completely healed. Remember the woman that was going to take, commit suicide? Dude, she just joined our worship team. You should hear her sing with the girl that was a cutter. They're both on my worship team. They're starting to practice words. They're going to be singers. All of a sudden, get this one. The three chefs, three chefs, two of them were PKs. That's preacher's kids for some of you Gentiles. 
They were preacher's kids. Now they're studying. They're going to go through the leadership track and stuff. And I called, I called him like a year later. I said, how's it going? We're coming back through. He goes, dude, the three chefs, they're all elders and deacons in my church. Those girls that sang, they're leading more people to Jesus than anybody. They're still working at Smoky Bones. They're talking about Jesus. They're talking about the things of God. Let me tell you something. Don't be a day late and a dollar short. Time is too short. You come in, you come out, you want to get fixed. Oh, give me a fix, man. Give me my adrenaline. Give me my high. And you leave the same way. How do we leave the same way? How do we get what God has and leave the same way? You don't understand my prison, pastor. You don't understand my prison, pastor. I understand your prison because I was there. Raising a Christian home, having to be good, when all my friends are drinking, smoking, and toking it. All I'm talking about is getting high in a church. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, you don't think of a reject? My prison was, I went to church too much. I talked about Jesus too much. But every time I was there, I wrote about him. And one by one, 35, 40 years later, all my friends, I'm going back to Pittsburgh. I'll leave them to Jesus because they never forgot what I preached. Don't tell me God can't use your prison to preach. I'm not talking about staying there because Paul got out and he preached more. So what are you preaching? What are you listening to? I just want to encourage you for the knowledge of God, the wisdom of God, the understanding of God. He says to do this so that you don't give in to persuasive words. Pastor, I don't know how I lost my mind. They were so convincing. Now they want nothing to do with me. They're not even near me. They stole something from me. He took everything from me, Pastor. He scarred me. He hurt me. She wounded me, God. Hmm. It's because you were in that moment with that person and not in the person of Christ to protect you from all those things. Come on. Now, I know we're not made of marble. My mother would say that. You're not made of marble. We're of flesh. But my question is, with the time that we have, don't tell me we don't have time. We waste a lot of time. I found myself a couple weeks ago losing, wasting time. Like, what am I doing? Why am I on Facebook? I don't even like these people. They were in my youth group. What are they doing? Have they lost their minds? They fell away from Christ. They remember the cancer was healing and leukemia and, 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 and kidney failure. All the healings and now they're falling away from God. How does that happen? I encourage you, I encourage you tonight to seek wisdom and understanding and get away from persuasive people. So I want to be one that persuades you to an altar of change. I think it's time for somebody to stand up and say, Pastor, that's me. I know you're saved. I know you love God. He loves you. But are you in love with Jesus? You know why 35 years was exciting for me? Because I love her. The only woman I've ever had sex with. What did you just say? I'm telling you. Oh, there were times, you guys, but God, get out. You're not made of marble. I can hear my mother, and that was scary. Get out now, Randy. What the? So my question is, who wants to walk out of here transformed? Who wants to walk out change and take a moment for God? Pastor, that's me. I'm saved, but I need this moment. I'm not a cutter, but I'm cut. Come on. I'm not an alcoholic, but I want to get drunk in the spirit. Pastor, I don't have the kind of sins like people think, but my mind is my trap. My mind is my prison, and I want to start writing with the right mind. Come on. It only takes one. I'm not even, a I just ask you, who wants? To I'm not begging anybody. I know that sometimes we feel like we're too big for the moment, or somebody's going to look at us like we've done something else stupid. Jesus is looking at you right now, and he's asking you the question, why aren't you moving? Well, you know, Pastor, I, I'll wait till I get home. I'll get in my bedroom. 
then I can sing my song. And I can do like Tiffany said, just get close to you in that moment. Well, God's trying to tell you, what if you stood right now and who would you affect if you stood? Like, who are you bringing with you? Or who are you bringing down? Paul said it from a prison cell. Listen, with all the stuff running through this sewage, with all these rats, with everything else, I pen these words. Encourage one another. Be tightly knit together, he says. That's his youth ministry. Because I know your pastor. Your pastor is like a son to me. We're knit together because of the favor of God, the love of God. Who else? Man, I got things going on. I'm saved. That's cool. So what it means is really cool. What I really love the favor of, the rest of you that are seated and some are still coming, that means you are right on with God and you have everything going on and there's nothing in your life that you have to give to this altar. That's fine. Then I'm going to ask you this question. If that's you and you're on fire for Christ, see, some are still coming. See, I don't want you to lie in this moment. I, I, the devil wants you to ignore this moment. Come on, Pastor. He wants you to walk out of here on this snowy night, which I'm so thankful to God you came on this kind of crazy night. Who does that? People that love God. But I know we love God, but there's still stuff in our lives. Come on, somebody. You know what I'm talking about. So the rest of you that are seated, you love God. I'm going to ask you to do me a favor. Do us a favor. Do the pastor a favor. Would you stand up and come? And find somebody to pray with. And not be on your telephone with, but to be in your heart with somebody at this altar. Is there anybody that would come? That's why the rest of you are seated there. You're the prayer warriors now. Come and find somebody. Those of you up here, do me a favor. Come a little closer. Put an arm around somebody if you want to. Put a hand. I want to take this moment. Thank you for coming, people. I know you're going to say something to Pastor like, he made us. I just want you to pray for one another. I, the body, listen, the body gets strengthened from the body. Like, the hands, the eyes, the feet, the, the ears, we're all different parts. But together we make one wonderful, wonderful move of God. You want to go ahead and start singing. I, I'm just, you, you just go, and we're going to take this moment. I want you to start to say things like, God, in this moment, I give you this. God, right now, tonight, this is something that I have to sacrifice. This is something right now, God, that I have to give you, that I have to give you, that I want to give you. I want to I offer this to you, Lord. And, and it might be stinky right now. It might be sticky right now. But I want to give it to you, Lord. I'm, I'm tired of running with it. Come on, bro. I'm tired of running with it. Like, I don't even want it anymore. Like, People think that I got everything together, but God, right now in this moment, I'm telling you, I'm talking with you, God, in this moment, I don't have my stuff together. Like, I'm really hurting, God, because somebody hurt me, and, and I'm going to finally put, lay it at the altar and bury it. Give it back to you. I don't want it anymore. Come on, somebody. Just start laying it down at Jesus' feet. Tell him what it is. I love that a lot of you are just surrendering your hands like a position of, I give you this, Lord, I give you this. That's what God says is to surrender it. Come on, I see tears and I see, there's, listen, let the tears come because that's a cleansing of the spirit, cleansing of the soul. God, tonight I'm thankful for this moment. I'm thankful for this time together. This altar is yours. This altar is amazing. God, when Paul says, listen, I was the chief of all sinners, but something happened to me. <laughs> I met the master, and when I met the master... My life was changed forever. And Paul died preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Martyred for the kingdom of God. And I could just picture when Paul made it into the kingdom of heaven, God embraced him and said, Oh, Paul! Oh, Paul! Oh, Paul! Saul changed to Paul. Upon you, you changed and transformed. And then God said this to Paul. Paul, I'm so thankful for your work, but there are those on earth that are going to be greater than you, Paul. They're going to have a calling in their life, an anointing in their life, and they're going to do more than you, Paul. Can you handle that? And Paul said, you bet I can handle that. But what he showed me was this. Listen, keep on praying, keep on seeking. What God's word showed me about Paul was he was tenacious. And now Paul was in the pandemic of, of death, and he said, God, make me contagious. Come on, somebody. 
God, give me the anointing. Like, let me walk where you said to Joshua after Moses died, that every place I set my foot, oh, somebody's got to claim this one. Somebody has to claim this. Every place I set my foot, I want to have the power of God and transform people's lives one at a time. Holy Spirit, I ask you right now, come on somebody. Some of you even know how to speak another tongue, just let it go. Father God, tonight I ask you, I ask you in the name of Jesus. God, tonight in the name of Jesus, push us forward, not backwards. Let us rise up, not sit down. Let us get up early in the morning with this wokeness of the gospel of Jesus Christ. This wokeness of the power and the authority. This wokeness of knowing that everything I lay my hands on, I can transform for the gospel of Jesus Christ. For it is not me, God, but it is you that liveth in me. Come on. Come on, God. I desire you. I desire you. Go ahead. Just start letting it rip.